understanding my personal timing and transits to my chart has brought me the most peace of mind. And that's what I love the most about astrology, because you kind of know where to direct your energy at any given point. Welcome, beautiful souls. I'm your guide, Kato. I am a wild woman, spiritual teacher, and evolutionary astrologer. This is where I share my astrological wisdom, spiritual insights, and embodiment practices so you can live a more fulfilled life. I am here to usher you into your highest self and expand your consciousness. Welcome to As Above, So Below. Welcome, welcome, my rainbow monkeys. How exciting that you guys are listening to another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I am joined by one of my favorite astrologers who I really look up to. Her name is Alice Bell. She is a full-time astrologer as well as a resident astrologer for British Vogue. She first got into astrology because it helped validating her certain Uh, personality traits that she had always had trouble accepting and it also made her more aware of what areas of life she needed to lean into in order to feel the most fulfilled and it is really true her practice that she aims to help others see the positive side to their emotional challenges as well as showing them what phase of life they're currently in and what's to come for the future she's also the co-host of the astrology podcast astrology and you um, which I will link in the show notes and yeah she's an absolute amazing teacher when it comes to astrology that's why I really wanted to have her come onto the show because in the way that she communicates and teaches is just like a, such a tangible practical easy step-by-step way and it becomes just very relatable so I have my Mercury in Virgo which is an earth sign so I love it when things become practical and it's not just like woo-woo <laughs> So yes, I cannot wait for you guys to get to know her and yeah, you will basically learn more about the upcoming transits for 2023. So yes, it's going to be a goodie. Let us know your thoughts and anything new that you learned from this episode and yeah, please share it on your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. We would absolutely love to see it. And then last but not least, before we dive in, I would love to share with you guys that my six-week astrology course is finally up and running, and I am so excited to be sharing this knowledge with all of you. This is a live course, I would say. Um, It is through Zoom, but it is live where I'll be teaching each and every single week for about two hours. And it's going to be a beautiful community of both men and women. And I feel like this course is designed to teach you the fundamentals of astrology in an easy way. So you can see the blueprint of your personal highest destiny and fall in love with yourself and fully accept yourself and be unapologetic. But at the same time, I'll also teach you how to read the charts of your loved ones, so your family members. Um, or lovers or partners or children and what is so amazing about this is that you can even start getting paid to read charts once you have mastered the skills so if you are a healer or a coach or an entrepreneur and you would like to understand the world of astrology the language of the cosmos and of the soul then this might be amazing opportunity for you to dive in 
And I really believe that before you can use astrology well to guide your life, you really need to learn the basics of how to read a chart because it all starts from there. So if you feel the desire to become your own astrologer and whether it is for your personal reasons or professional reasons, I've got you. (laughs) I'm going to teach you everything that I know and that I have learned over the past couple of years of my experience with working with so many clients worldwide. And yeah, basically can't wait to have you there with us. And yes, more information is in the show notes. And yeah, that's it, guys. I'm so excited for January to start and this new year and to set our new goals and intentions. And yeah, one of my goals personally is that I really want to get more into teaching astrology. It's the love of my life and it just makes so much sense to me to be sharing this knowledge with other people so I can empower them and I can help them to fall in love with themselves and their unique blueprint and therefore also teach them how to consciously co-create with the universe. So yeah, that's it, my loves. Let's dive in into today's episode. Hello, beautiful Alice. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk. Yes, me too. So Alice, you are an Aquarius sun, a Leo rising and a Pisces moon. And I'm super curious to hear more about how you started with your journey of becoming a Mm full-time astrologer. I became an astrologer kind of randomly. Um, We were talking a little before this about how you knew astrology growing up, um, but it was never something that was in my mind at all. I never had heard of astrologers. I wasn't into spirituality or anything like that. Um, So when I was 25, like around my 25th birthday, so this was January 2018, um, I started to get more into astrology. I think first it started out as me obsessively reading my horoscope to see if a guy would text me, kind of like (laughs) fixating on compatibility, that type of thing. And then from there, I got into pulling up my birth chart, researching that. And I think like as I Googled what all the planets and what sign they fell in, what house and realized it was so much more complex than my sun sign. That's like what really got me hooked. Um, and at the time I was working as a fashion assistant at American Vogue and that job was kind of like losing its meaning to me. It wasn't so fulfilling anymore. So I would just practice astrology during my downtime, like at my desk, like I would do everyone's, I did everyone's birth chart in the office and would send Mm -hmm. them these like detailed reports. Um, (laughs) I also started posting about it a lot on Instagram during that year Mm -hmm. and eventually was confident enough in my skills after about nine months or so of intensely studying astrology to be like, okay, I could make money off of charging people to do readings for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of when it, it became less of a hobby and more of a, I can turn this into my business and my career. Mm, I love that so much. And like from the moment that you started posting about it on Instagram, was it received in the way that you thought it would be? Yeah. So my Instagram account used to just be my personal account. It was never started to be an astrology account. And I was just posting like this astrology stuff. I was looking up in my spare time. I was like, look how cool this is. Oh my God, you have to see this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the amount of DMs I was getting from just like my small following at that time, I was like, I didn't know this many people were interested in astrology. So that was yeah. kind of surprising. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's so beautiful, isn't it? I also kind of see it as a sign of the universe saying like, you have to do something with this. Like you have to keep on going into this direction for sure. Um, do you remember your first reading yeah, that you yeah. gave? Like how much did you charge at the time? I did them for freeze uh, when I first started just to get practice. So yeah, I was, yeah, I don't, I feel like a lot of people starting out do written readings first because mm -hmm. you can like refer back to like text or um, yeah. books you have to get a better idea of what to say to that person. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of readings over Instagram DM and then I got into like sending them through email, like a PDF and I would write out like so much text for each planet in each house and people would be like wow I can't believe you're sending me all of this for free um and then I slowly started charging but like very minimal amounts at first like $30 for like a five page report and now I obviously charge a lot more but yeah mm -hmm. back then it was more to get the practice yeah exactly for me it was the same as well like I did it for free like for friends and family members because mm -hmm. I wanted to like gain more confidence and yeah you know but then yeah I also slowly started out like written reports but then I just figured like oh my god this is so time consuming I cannot do this anymore <laughs> yeah that's, that's I, where I got yeah. to too yeah that's why like I kind of forced myself of like okay I have to be more efficient with this yeah for sure so yeah. today's podcast conversation is all about the transits of 2023. That's why I invited you onto the show because you mm -hmm. are such an amazing astrologer. I was saying to you just now is like the way that you explain things is that like in such a beautiful, tangible applicable, understandable way, you know, and I sometimes feel like with other astrologers, um, it kind of get, like stays abstract. So that's why I was yeah. like, okay, she's my girl. I need to get her onto the show. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of about like understanding the timing of like what is going to happen in 2023, but more like on a mundane level, right? So mm -hmm. obviously for anyone who's listening, you must understand that there's a difference between your personal transits and your mundane transits, which is more like on a collective level. Um, yeah. do you want to share anything about that? Mundane transits are definitely, if you're looking at more like historical trends through the lens of astrology, like I find they describe certain patterns that keep repeating themselves throughout historical periods that have events that are in common. Like for instance, if we're looking at the astrology of 2020 with like the Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter conjunction in Capricorn, that was setting like a very distinct tone for the year of 2020 that definitely was not easy and if you look back in history similar time periods where Saturn and Pluto had connected in other signs and made other aspects to each other were also very challenging years for like the world mm -hmm. at large yeah. so you can kind of see it that way whereas in some cases 2020 yeah it was a difficult year for the world but for some people it was like not that hard of a year, like they weren't depressed and they had a great work year, um, totally separate of what was happening in the world. And that is based on how the transits were affecting their individual chart, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very clear for sure. Yeah, 2020 was a big year for me. That's the year that I started officially yeah. my business and I was like, okay, I need to monetize my gifts and my biggest passion, mm -hmm. which is astrology, right? 
Why is it important to understand like your own personal rhythm, your own personal timing of life? You know, for example, I'm not in a relationship right now and I'm kind of like, you know, I could be stressed over the fact that like, why am I not dating someone? Why is my king not showing up in my life? But when I look at my astrology, it makes complete sense because there's no transits or anything indicating that I would meet a significant person in my life right now. Yeah, I think understanding my personal timing and transits to my chart has brought me the most peace of mind. And that's what I love the most about astrology, because you kind of know where to direct your energy at any given point. Like I could compare myself. I don't know. Before I knew astrology, I would compare my life to other people's a lot. Like, why is this person so successful with their job right now? And I'm not getting a promotion. Um, And it just helps to understand that there's a set time period for when you will have greater job success or when you will get into a relationship or move homes or anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I love that that you say that because like for me, it definitely has given me some understanding and acceptance. And in that way, I'm able to fully surrender and just be like, okay, let's just work with the cycle that I'm in right now and fully embrace the season that I'm in and make the most out of that season. Right. Exactly. There's always like a perfect timing for when things happen. You just have to trust in that. Yeah, yeah. And astrology can just give you a bit more awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A bit more clarity and understanding. That's why we love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, amazing. So let's dive into the transits. I would su- uh, suggest that we like take it month by month and like see like what are the most influential and like significant transits happening over the course of this coming year. Um, so do you want to start with the Mercury retrogrades that we're starting the year with? Yeah, the year starts off not the easiest because there's the Mercury retrograde happening in Capricorn until January 18th. And then also Mars retrograde, which I guess we'll talk about next. Um, that is still ongoing till January 12th. So it's kind of like maybe that period of New Year's Day where you're wanting to set these goals and like kind of start a new chapter gets a little slowed down a bit and maybe you don't have so much motivation or momentum going on in your life until both of those retrogrades lift around the middle of the month yeah I kind of feel like the first of January starts like in the third week of January it's kind of like a slow start of the year where you're like re-evaluating your life you look you know like what do you want to accomplish this year you know, really tuning into that. And also like, it's a lot about like reflection and going inwards and bringing yourself back to center. It's, you know, it's also in Capricorn, right? So it's a, it's all like earth energy, like for all the Mercury retrogrades, uh, by the way, for this whole 2023. So it's not about rushing. It's really like slowly, but steadily getting there. Right. Yeah, like really reflecting on how you want to better structure your time, like having it in that earth sign of Capricorn, like reflecting on what responsibilities are really important to me, who and what do I want to commit to, or maybe revisiting past commitments that you forgot about or left hanging and kind of building upon that and start instead of trying to move forward with something new immediately. Yeah. Any words where you can um, have like the the word re, well, it's not really a word re, but you know, reworking, revisiting the past, relaunching something, re-editing. So Like for my clients who come up to me who are entrepreneurs, I always advise them to not launch like something new, like a new offering or a new course during Mercury Retrograde, because it's just not going to give you the desired outcome. Do you also feel that? 
Yeah. Part of me like wants to preach that, but I, I launched my whole astrology website during a Mercury retrograde. And how um, was that? And it went over really well, but I would say, um, the first, so the Mercury retrograde lasts for three weeks and that halfway point in the retrograde when Mercury and the sun meet up. Um, so about like 10, 10 days or so into the retrograde following that time period, it's a lot easier to like get ideas going. Um, so I would avoid maybe the first part of the retrograde, but the second part is not as difficult, but yeah, yeah, like you were saying, if you can avoid it at all costs, I would. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that, that you mentioned that I did notice this year in January, I think it was like January Feb that we had a Mercury retrograde this year. I actually mm-hmm. really noticed it wasn't in, in uh, Aquarius. I noticed like I was getting a lot of creative ideas and like I was so good at writing. I had like a really great free flow. So it's not like always like bad or anything, but it's, it's just something to take into account when it comes to communication and like misunderstandings and like having to reorganize yourself. It's just a time of like a lot of like reflecting, especially like over the past. And yeah, maybe people from your past coming back into your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It makes you going back to like the communication based projects, like writing for instance, or I don't know, podcasting or something that involves communication heavily. There's often an intense focus on those areas during a Mercury retrograde. So yeah, like you were saying, not always having that be a bad part of your life, but just needing a lot of focus and attention and putting a lot of energy into that to make it right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then we also have still Mars um, being yeah. yeah retrograde until January 12th. So it goes direct again. Um, Mars mm-hmm. retrograde is like it happens every 18 months or so. So now it is two in years. Oh, is it like 18 months, two years? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's not as common as a Mercury retrograde, let's say. Yeah. But yeah, it's in Gemini. How do you feel about that? I love, I hate Mars retrograde. Like it's so, I have no motivation. I have no energy. So when we're recording this, we're heavily in Mars retrograde right now. Um, But I love when it ends because it's like you get a burst of new energy and inspiration and all this motivation to start new projects. Like that's how I feel always when that retrograde ends. No, that's definitely true. And But do you also think that is because you were born with a Mars retrograde in your natal charts? Yeah, I might feel it more intensely than other people. Yeah. Um, I haven't like done too much research on that, but yeah. that could be a thing. I definitely noticed it like this month in November as we were recording it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like Mars square Neptune and I also have that in my mm-hmm. natal chart. And I felt it oh so God. intensely, like literally no motivation just didn't get anything done. <laughs> just felt like so tired you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mars square Neptune is like very confusing. It's like, what do I even put my energy into? Like, I am so confused about what to do right now. And I feel like often it makes you doubt yourself. Like, am, am I doing enough? Am I as good as these other people? Um, so there's that confusion and self doubt that comes in. Yeah, definitely. I also noticed a little bit of like lack of direction and like, okay, yeah, am I? Yeah. Yeah. Focusing for sure. I'm very happy for the Mars retrograde to end. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) patiently waiting for that one. Um, And then so to come back to January, we do have Uranus going direct again on January 22nd. I am personally excited about this because it is in my second house. 
And I mm-hmm. do think like finances wise, the energy flows again a little bit more. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I, w- I was going to say like with the outer planet retrogrades starting and ending, it's definitely more subtle. Like it's not yeah. as obvious how you're coming out of one phase and going into the next. Um, but yeah, that will be noticeable. Like if you're looking at the Taurus part of your chart, like where are you uh-huh. now seeing like more change take place or yeah. being hit with like more creative ideas or innovations? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and then when we're looking at February, I actually don't have like any significant uh, transits happening. Have you picked up on anything? I don't think so. It's kind of March is the... Yeah. Uh, March is yeah, a big February, one. Yeah, March is, there's a lot of big planetary ingresses, like Saturn, Pluto, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so should we just skip ahead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on March 7th, we have Saturn entering Pisces, which is quite mm-hmm. a big deal. Um, it will be there until May 24th, uh, 2025. And I do feel like the like people with placements in Pisces, Virgo, Gemini, Sag, you know, like all the mutable signs, they will be affected the most. Yeah, definitely. I love, um, sorry, I shouldn't say I love, but it's interesting to note when like Saturn moves to a new sign and activates a different part of your chart. Like it, there's very much at that start of a new Saturn transit. I feel like a lot of pressure to do something different in that area of your area of your life symbolized by like the house with Pisces in it for this instance. So it's like, how can I restructure maybe relationships or career or home life? Mm -hmm. And there's often a lot of initial stress there, but then by the end of that transit closer to 2026, um, it's, you feel like you've mastered that part of your life Mm -hmm. and you really have like a more solid grip and you, you've just totally reworked that area. Yeah. No, so like what you're saying is like kind of like the first year or so because Saturn is Mm -hmm. an archetype for like two and a half years, sometimes a bit longer. The first year is quite like intense and difficult, right? Like there's important lessons to learn because this is the area of your life where you're uh, gaining more Mm -hmm. mastery, right? Um, So this also means that the Saturn return will start for anyone who is born between February 1994 and April 1996, or when you're up to the age of like 57, 58, you know, that's the second cycle of the Saturn return, or when you're like in your late 80s. I don't know if anyone is listening who's that old, but you never know. So yeah, yeah. anyone... Anyone that has Saturn and Pisces in their birth chart, you will, your Saturn return will be starting. And I am finally coming out of my Saturn return. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> How has that been for you? It's been really good. Like I would say to anyone starting theirs next year, it is tough at first. There's a lot of like internal frustration and like uncertainty of what's next for you. But just knowing that you want to do something different in a particular area of your life or maybe multiple areas. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, I just really do have a more clear sense of my of self and like what I want to be working towards and building for the next few decades. Yeah. Like I, I'm more aware of like what sets me apart from other people and like how I can lean into that. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And your Saturn is in a seventh house, isn't it? So that yes. pertains um, to relationships, like romantic, but also business wise. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. The Saturn return. I mean, I got into the first relationship I've ever been in in my life and I'm still with my boyfriend. And I also had like really significant work partnerships too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so significant. I love that. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) And then what I was thinking of, like when I look at your chart, you do have uh, like your Venus and your moon in Pisces. So when Saturn will go over those, have you got any thoughts about that? I mean, I know it's still like a couple of yeah. years probably, but. Yeah, Saturn going over my moon in Pisces, in Pisces, I feel like I'll feel that more in 2024 when it gets to like 11 degrees, but um, that's not an exciting one at all. Like I think of Saturn connecting with your moon yeah. Through transit is like kind of a depressing time where you feel like very emotionally heavy or there's some type of stress or responsibility going on at home or with your family. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like it could be like if you are becoming a parent and you've got a baby that there might be some stress around like, you know, the household and like taking on more responsibilities and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. or the, or just like moving homes and having to deal with a lot of like buying furniture and yeah. figuring out how to organize your space or like taking care of your parents or something or just experiencing stress in the relationship with your parents. Yeah. So I'm curious to see yeah. what will ha- happen. <laughs> yeah, me too. Keep me posted in 2024. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So to get back to the Saturn and to like entering Pisces, what do you feel like will have an impact or how will the collective be affected by this transit? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about like Pisces themes and also going back to when it was in Pisces in the mid 90s um, and seeing how there might be like correlations going on. Uh, But if we're thinking of like major themes of Pisces, I think of like escapism, also Mm -hmm. creativity, spirituality, fantasy. Um, more downsides of that would be like escapism, like I mentioned, addiction or like drugs. So maybe kind of seeing those types of themes that I just mentioned, like coming up in world events a lot more in pop culture. Like if we look back to the mid nineties, when Saturn was last in Pisces, it was like the rise of video games, which was very much about like fantasy worlds and escapism. Um, I would also say maybe there's a greater like collective interest in building like a solid spiritual practice, like things like astrology or human design or meditation, just becoming even more important for people. Um, yeah. just people just wanting to understand their emotions a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like people wanting to tap even more into their intuition, imagination, creativity. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm, I'm definitely curious how that will be manifested, like in the film industry, for example, but also mm-hmm. does it, do you think it might indicate the rise of psychedelics? Yeah. And also like, um, weed becoming legalized maybe that's more widespread something to do with that or there could be I'm just thinking of like people that suffer from addiction having more like resources or structures that help that type of thing yeah no I'm definitely thinking of the rise of like ayahuasca um yeah Mm -hmm. just psilocybin that would make a lot of sense yeah LSD and stuff you know it's it's kind of like a merging of a new consciousness yeah, definitely like the esoteric, the healing fields. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's like new businesses um, coming into the world, you know, like, so if you're listening and you have an idea, like you want to start a business into this world, like this might be an ideal time to get it started, right? 
The one thing I worry about, though, is like a crackdown maybe on spiritual practices. Like, oh, you have to have certain credentials to practice astrology oh. or to do this and maybe um, more rules yeah. surrounding it. Yeah. Like more boundaries, more rules. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, and then March 23, we've got mm -hmm. Pluto entering Aquarius for three months. Well, it basically dips its toes in Aquarius um, mm -hmm. because it's going retrograde on May 1st and then it will officially start like only like in January 2024. But we already will get like a taste of that. What do you think that taste will look like? Yeah, I was looking like the date that piqued my interest a lot of when people will really start to feel Pluto moving into Aquarius and this new like sector of your chart um, is around the end of May. I noticed that like Mars is in Leo at that time, mm -hmm. exactly opposite Pluto and Aquarius and same with Jupiter going into Taurus. So it's like a bunch of fixed sign energy right around that moment, yeah. um, triggering the Pluto transit. I feel like these bigger outer planet transits of like Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, it often takes other planets triggering them for you to fully feel it. Yeah. So I was kind of looking at, yeah, Mars going into Leo around the end of May is like, okay, this is what you, this is how the tone that's being set with this new transit of Pluto and Aquarius for you. Yeah, definitely. And then we'll feel more of that in 2024 for sure. So when we yeah. look back at like the last cycle when Pluto was in Aquarius, that was like in the 18th century, which is like such a long time ago, right? Oh my God. Yeah. And what happened back then, I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but there was definitely something revolutionary. You know, there was like a major shift in the world's power dynamics, which I think will definitely happen again. You know, I'm also thinking of like, what will be the power of technology in the world? Yeah, we've already seen kind of a preview of what to maybe expect with Pluto and Aquarius with Jupiter going through Aquarius in 2021 and then Saturn going through Aquarius from 2020 till 2023. Yeah. So just like looking back at that time frame, like seeing a lot of innovations with technology because of like lockdown, like people turning to do work on Zoom or like mm -hmm. the rise of other social media formats like TikTok, for instance, and like more yeah. people just living their life on the Internet also a lot of like questioning outdated mm -hmm. structures and traditions, like people realizing yeah. I don't need to go into the office five days a week to mm -hmm. be productive, like that type of thing, just collapsing. Um, and then also just people caring about like causes, like backing causes they're really passionate about. And like Aquarius is such a human humanitarian sign, like wanting to do things for the greater good of like communities and people at large. Mm -hmm. So that being a bigger focus as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, there might be some new discoveries as big as electricity, you know, in the coming years, mm -hmm. because Pluto is a generational planet. It stays there for like, I don't know, 20 years or something. Like it depends, it varies. Um, but the influence of Pluto is intrinsically linked with a cycle of beginnings and ends. And like when we're looking at themes that Pluto represents, it's like about destruction, it's about death, about rebirth, whilst Aquarius represents revolution, rebellion, and reshaping humanity, like what you were saying as well, like these humanitarian projects. So there will definitely be some themes occurring that have to do like with all of these keywords. So obviously with astrology, we can't predict uh, specific events, but we can see energies, right? So yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I 
hadn't thought so much about like technology innovations that could happen, but like virtual reality, maybe like that yeah. type of stuff just becoming a lot more prominent. I don't even know, like with technology, you can't really predict what's going to happen, but probably something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then in April, we have on April 20th, we have a solar eclipse in Aries, which is on 29 degrees 15. So that means that we're entering like kind of like a new set of archetypes. Well, not entirely, but um, yeah, what's your take on that on the solar eclipse in Aries? I'm really excited. Um, I think it's conjunct Jupiter. So that's like great like yeah. energy for like foreign travel, just being more optimistic to different beliefs. Um and just like feeling better about your life circumstances in general. It's interesting, like with the nodes moving into like Aries and Libra in 2023 out of Taurus and Scorpio, I just feel like these eclipses beginning in Aries Libra will be a lot like less emotionally heavy and more about how can I prioritize like with the North node in Aries, that's so much about like independence. Like what do I want for myself? So just maybe being more direct about what you want and being more action oriented. Mm -hmm. um yeah and then also like with the south node in libra in the we'll get to this when we get into the fall but like that first eclipse in libra that happens later in the year a lot about kind of um understanding how you can do relationships differently or collaborate with people just with the eclipses and like fire and air signs it's so much more of like a light social energy mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah, I do feel like with the eclipses that are happening in April and in May, you know, they're both in Aries and Scorpio, they're, they're mm -hmm. both Mars ruled energy. Yeah. So it's kind of like that forward momentum, uh, the looking before you leap, you know, it's it's that fiery energy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so important to note. I hadn't thought about that. And like Mars at that time will be in Cancer, kind of a sign that it doesn't really function that well in. Mm -hmm. So maybe there'll be... Um, I mean, eclipses in general tend to be a time where a lot more emotions come up and you feel a bit anxious. So maybe there is, um, I don't know, being like emotionally irritated at that time with the ruler Mars and Cancer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. With the solar eclipse, so like it kind of is like planting the new seed for the next coming months. But I feel like with around the solar eclipse, it's not entirely clear yet what that will be or what that will look like. So it's kind of like you're in a fog. Um, mm -hmm. but then depending on like where Aries sits in your chart for anyone who's listening, just look at the house and like in that live area, you can actually plant new seeds and like set intentions. Um, I do wonder, Alice, like, are you someone who, like an astrologer who advises people to set intentions or manifest during eclipse season or not at all? Cause there's like mixed opinions about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't really have rules surrounding manifestation. Like I don't really take manifestation like... I don't have like a guidebook or rules with that. So I just say do it whenever. But I yeah. know a lot of the people say don't do that during an eclipse. Yeah. You're like a true Aquarius. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm no one's telling me what to do. I'll manifest <laughs> when I want to manifest. <laughs> like I'm going to be a rebel. I'm going to do whatever I want to find my own rules. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> What's interesting about this solar eclipse is that like Ju it's taking place like where Jupiter has been transiting um, since I guess the end of December, 2022. So I feel like Jupiter has paved the way for that area of life where the eclipse will then start, will then happen and then continue to happen over the next two to three years. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe you've seen a lot of growth and more opportunities happening in that Aries ruled house of your chart. 
and now that solar eclipse comes in and it's like, okay, you've been optimistic about this area. You've gotten new projects or new things going here. And now there's going to be greater change and it's going to become even more of a focus for the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. And then right after the solar eclipse, we have Mercury retrograde and Taurus again, another earth sign. It falls on 15 degrees. Yeah. It's like all earths. Like basically like when I look at the whole overview of 2023, it's like all (coughs) earth signs and all water, basically mud. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Cause like the Mercury retrogrades, yeah, that throughout like a year to two year period, they happen across this like um, a trine between signs of the same element. So for 2023, they're all in earth sign Mm -hmm. parts of your chart. And then they'll start to move into fire sign by the end of the year as we transition into 2024. But yeah, kind of going back to what we were saying at the start, um, how it has maybe similarities to the Mercury retrograde that happens in Capricorn in January, the one in Taurus at the end of April, May will definitely be about reevaluating. I don't know, Taurus, I really associate with money and like what you value. So maybe how you can, um, get a better hold on your finances or like, what do you really enjoy working towards that type of themes? Those types of themes might be coming up. Yeah, especially with the Jupiter entering Taurus on May 16th, right? Yeah, there's a lot of Taurus activations next year. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of Taurus, a lot of Pisces as well uh, with the outer planets, generational planets like Neptune is still in Pisces, Uranus is still in Taurus. It's like kind Mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm. a, yeah importance on these archetypes for sure but um before we dive into jupiter entering taurus i would love to discuss lunar the lunar eclipse in uh scorpio which falls on 15 Mm -hmm. degrees of scorpio i mean we kind of had a taste of it like the past one and a half year i would say so it's it's not Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. entirely new energy i feel like when we're coming to the end of that set of archetypes so you know the eclipse is falling there it's kind of like something coming to like a closure or like um like that chapter has got more clarity in some sort of way yes definitely because it's the last eclipse that we'll have in scorpio so it really does close out that how have you how have you been experiencing more major changes in that scorpio ruled house of your chart and it's often until it often takes until that final eclipse happening in a particular sign for you to see maybe the most significant change going on Like maybe you felt an urge to do something differently there for the past year and a half or so. And it's finally going to be around May 5th or the weeks immediately following that where it's like, okay, I feel like this area of my life is coming together and I'm ready to do something different here or finally take a bigger risk. Yeah. It's like coming to fruition. It's like lunar eclipses also tend to be way busier. You know, does yeah, there definitely. are realizations coming up for you that you're like, oh, maybe I should be doing this or that, or I should end this relationship um, or like start a new career path. Yeah. A lot of activity and like with the solar eclipse, it's not so much like you're not seeing that those events take place yet or those changes go into effect, but with the lunar eclipse, you are. Yeah. No, definitely. And then on May 14, Mercury goes direct again. It, it's, it lands at five degrees Taurus. And then right after May 16th, as we mentioned just now, is that Jupiter enters uh, Taurus. I personally believe that this is a big significant change and shift, you know, because mm-hmm. anything that Jupiter touches magnifies. And mm-hmm. 
you know, the last time when this happened was back in 2011, 2012. So you Mm -hmm. can reflect back on like, okay, what happened during that year? You know, because Jupiter takes about a year per archetype. Um, because that's the beauty of astrology, right? Like it works in cycles. So that's kind of like how you can predict in a way of like what themes might come up for you around this time. Also like the Taurus world part of your chart where Jupiter will enter when it goes into Taurus. Like that's an area that's experienced, that has experienced a lot of stress and maybe frustration the past year or two with the eclipses happening in the Taurus part of your chart and also how those eclipses have been making a square to Saturn. So things have not been the easiest there. Whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like when Jupiter finally moves into Taurus, you get some relief in that area. And it finally feels like opportunities are coming a lot more easily or it's just less of like an uphill battle there. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like like when I'm looking at your chart, it falls in the 10th house, which is quite exciting, Mm -hmm. right? So it's all about your career and your image and like how you're putting yourself out there. Yeah, I have my first book is coming out on June 1st. So right when, right after Jupiter enters my 10th house. Oh my God, I had no idea. Did you plan? Yeah, I haven't. I, I have, No, I didn't plan it. Um, I haven't announced the book and yet formally, um, but that's when it's coming out. Oh my God, congrats. I cannot wait to purchase Thanks. it. Yeah, I'll definitely share it with the community <laughs> as well. Can you already share something about like what the the main theme will be? Or is it just like a beginner's astrology book? Main main theme is relationship astrology. So understanding your dating and relationship patterns based on your birth chart and tracking your timing. Like when will you get into a relationship and oh or go God. through a breakup? I love this. I want this book right now. I need to read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. So... With the Jupiter entering Taurus, I feel like this will affect mostly like people with Taurus placements, especially if you if you have like a Taurus sun or a Taurus rising or like if you have Scorpio mm-hmm. placements, but also Leo and Aquarius. And mm-hmm. when we're looking at like Taurus, Taurus talks about survival, about food, agriculture, about our earth, about sustainability, our environment, how we spread riches and so on. So I feel like we kind of like will experience this on a collective level where we'll have like growth um, like, you know, these are growth areas during this time. Also, I would say like a lot of innovation too, with like the areas of food or like real estate, maybe whatever those themes are symbolized by Taurus, because Mm -hmm. Jupiter slowly creeps up on Uranus, which is still in Taurus. They don't make that exact conjunction in 2023, but they still do get pretty close. And Mm -hmm. Jupiter Uranus conjunctions are those I view those as like pretty positive. It's like, oh my God, there's all this creativity going on and kind of like a boom and all these um, forward thinking ideas. Yeah, no, definitely. Cannot wait for that. Yeah. yeah. And then the next transits are all retrogrades, you know, like on June 11th, we've got Pluto retrogrades, uh, we'll enter uh, Capricorn and then June 17th, Saturn will go uh, retrograde until November 4th. And then June 30th, Neptune will go retrograde until December 6th. But we won't really go deep into that because like it happens every year and it's not as significant, you know, mm-hmm. like what you mentioned in the beginning as well. It's like more subtle. Um, yeah. So I would rather want to focus on Venus retrograde in Leo at 28 degrees yeah. on July 22nd. What are your thoughts on a Venus retrograde? Um, I feel more so than like 
Mercury retrograde often has the reputation of bringing exes back or people from your past. I feel like Venus retrograde is that amplified. Like it often has you intensely focusing on how can I go about relationships differently? Is there a past relationship that I need more closure with? Um, and honestly, just becoming more aware of the patterns you keep repeating in dating and relationships and how you can improve upon that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So fun fact is that like the last Venus retrograde, which was like last year, December until I, I think like February this year, 2020, 2022. Um, that's like when I started um, getting back to get in a relationship with my ex-partner. And as soon oh as God. that Venus retrograde ended, I was like, no, I cannot do this. Like we have to break up. Like this isn't right. This is not in alignment. And I was just like, wow, this Venus retrograde. <laughs> yeah, that's so literal for you. Yeah, I've yeah. had it a lot where I start, or in the past, I've started dating people during a Venus retrograde and think I'm in love and I'm obsessed with them while the retrograde's going on. And then the second it ends, like the passion mm -hmm. is gone. And I'm like, why am I dating you? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny. What do you feel like about finances and stuff? Like financial um, undertakings? Personally, I do feel like it slows down a bit, like in my personal life, like not bringing in as much money, but I do work for myself. So I don't have a consistent income. Yeah. Um, I would say the world at large, it probably depends on like aspects Venus is making to other planets, whether it's mm. more restrictive finances going on or yeah. um, there's something big. I'm trying to remember what was happening in the news during the Venus retrograde in Capricorn last year, because it stationed retrograde conjunct Pluto. I just can't remember if there's anything like super dramatic going on with money in the world. Mm, I cannot remember, but there was definitely some drama in my personal life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like a lot of about, like, um, about, you know, valuing myself, a lot of like mm -hmm. self-worth issues coming up. Like I was definitely being yeah. tested by the universe. Self-worth is a big one. And also friendships too, not just romantic relationships. I notice a slowdown with how many friends I'm seeing. Like I feel like very antisocial during Venus retrogrades almost. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this Venus retrograde is until September 3rd. And then, yeah, what else do we have? We've got another Mercury retrograde again in a Virgo. Oh my God. Like an earth sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be on August 23rd, um, and that will be until September mm -hmm. 15th, yeah. And then, yeah, when I... So that one will be in Virgo. Yeah. So again, like themes of work, but also like routine and health may come up. Like how mm -hmm. can I manage my time more effectively? How can I not stress myself out so much with work and have like a better work-life balance? Um, or just learning not to be so critical of yourself. Virgo is so critical sometimes. Yeah, you're so right. I have a lot of Virgo placements, so I can uh, yeah, echo you that. Do. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 that, that's a great, um, great description. And then um, we're almost coming to an end, actually. Like October 14, mm -hmm. we have a solar eclipse in Libra, which we have spoken about briefly. It falls on 21 degrees um, of Libra. So mm -hmm. for anyone who's listening, just have a look at like in your chart, if you have anything close, like I usually take an orb of like one and a half degrees, max two degrees. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you follow mm -hmm. that rule as well, Alice. Yeah, I would say with an eclipse, maybe like three degrees max on either side of it. Yeah, don't go too big. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And then looking at like Libra, Aries, Capricorn and Cancer, if you have anything falling like close to 21 degrees and the same mm-hmm. for like the lunar eclipse, which falls on the 28th of October and Taurus, which is on five degrees. So this mm-hmm. is like how you can check of like, okay, what planets, especially if it's like uh, personal planets, you know, your moon or your sun or Venus, for example, and then have a look of like, okay, how is that going to affect me? Because um, the teams that um, have to do with these planets, that will definitely come up around that time. Yeah. And I was going to say it's similar to how the Aries solar eclipse back in April, like you're maybe not seeing immediate events take hold there yet. It's some the same is going on in the fall with the Libra solar eclipse. Like if you're looking at the Libra world house of your chart, maybe not seeing immediate results take place there, but you know, you're starting a new chapter in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what I think is interesting is like with these eclipses, this is where Venus is ruled and it's kind of like softening mm-hmm. out of the edges. Mm-hmm. So we first mm-hmm. had like Mars in the spring and then oh, that's now, really interesting. Yeah. And then now in autumn, we have Venus. So definitely more mindful of partnerships. Like, whereas the spring solar eclipse is like me, 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 like I'm doing this for myself. Um, I want to be more active and independent. Uh, The Libra solar eclipse might be more mindful of the people in your life or how can I collaborate with someone to get more work done? Mm -hmm. Or how can I change my mindset surrounding dating and relationships? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely some like significant relationships taking place. Yeah. Yes. I love that. And then, then there's that Taurus, final Taurus lunar eclipse two weeks later. Mm-hmm. On, yeah. I have October 28th. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So that's basically the same, like what we just experienced this month. I think it was November 8th. Um, so like similar themes, let's say, but I, I don't know what aspects is it, the lunar eclipse is making. I don't know if you have that. Uh, it's, I think it's, um, there's a cluster of planets in Scorpio at that time. So Mars is in Scorpio along with the sun and mm-hmm. I believe Mercury too. And then Jupiter is in Taurus. So it's, a, it's conjunct Taurus, I think pretty exactly. So that's, that's positive in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. I feel like this past Taurus lunar eclipse that happened November 8th, 2022 was pretty hard on a lot of people. Like that Taurus world part of your chart, definitely having a lot of tension and maybe unanticipated change that you really didn't want to happen or just a lot of anxiety. Whereas the next one, yeah, it might still have those aspects, but I see kind of a more productive outcome or opportunity for bigger growth happening there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. And then, you know, um, we've got like a few planets, uh, stationing direct again, you know, we've got November 4th, Saturn goes direct again, December 6th, Neptune goes direct again. So I feel like, yeah, December 13th, we've got Mercury retrograde for the fourth time this year in Capricorn, eight degrees. And it is there like until January 1st. It will go mm-hmm. back to like 11 degrees of Sagittarius. Mm-hmm. Um, and then December 26th, we've got Karen that goes direct again. And December 30th, that Jupiter goes direct again. So I feel like the start of 2024 will be like kind of like a fresh breeder. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, I love how Mercury retrograde ends right on January 1st. So it's kind of like the last two, three weeks of 2023 might be a little chaotic or... Mm-hmm 
just very slow. Like you're going to want to slow down for a holiday season at that point. Yeah. And then starting the new year off completely on a different note. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like wanting to go more inwards again and like slowing down and reflecting. And then like the first of Jan will be like that, like that clean slate that you're starting Mm -hmm. off the year with. Beautiful. So that's kind of basically it. (laughs) Yeah. That's 2023. How exciting. So Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Alice, what are you personally looking forward to, to like the most next year, like astrologically speaking, but then also on a personal level? Um, I'm really excited for Jupiter to be in Aries and then Taurus. Like I personally have not enjoyed it in Pisces because it's trickier part of my chart. Um, so I'm really excited for that. And I'm excited for the eclipses to shift into Aries and Libra. So I think I just love like when transits go through Aries. So having the Jupiter and Aries and then the North and moving into Aries, it's, mm-hmm. I just have such a more like optimistic mindset during that time. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And then you mentioned about your book that is coming out next year. Is there anything else that you're like, oh my God, I'm so excited about this. Um, that is like the most major thing. I would say I'm also excited to just, I really want to start teaching a lot more like astrology workshops. Like I'm moving away from doing personal one-on-one readings and more towards how can I reach more people with astrology and teach certain niches of astrology that I'm really passionate about. Mm, Beautiful. Okay. Amazing. Like Alice, this has been so great to connect with you and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge with us. Um, for anyone who's listening, how can they connect with you? Do you have like any offerings at the moment? Um, where can they find it? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at stock Alice, S T A L K A L I C E. And then my my website is alicebellastrology.com. I don't have any offerings at the moment because writing this book has taken up all my time. Uh, But hopefully in the new year, there will be a lot of workshops going on. Okay. Beautiful. So currently you're like, you don't have like any courses or anything running. I do know. Yeah. Okay. So Hold on to go back. I do have a 2023 workshop I'm doing with my podcast co-host, um, Maxine. So our podcast is called Astrology and You. And we're doing a 2023 masterclass where all these transits we just talked about in this episode, we're showing how to find that in your chart mm-hmm. and understand exactly what you can expect with the astrology of 2023. So I have that coming out in early December this year. And then yeah, just continuing my podcast, Astrology and You. You can always find that. And I have um a like two courses that go along with that podcast as well, Mastering Birth Charts and Applying Transits. Those just live on my website at all times. Um, so you can learn how to read your birth chart or you can learn how to read your transits. Yeah, amazing. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes with your podcast and your Instagram and your website so everyone can find it. And yeah, this has been really, really great. So thank you so much for being here. And I'm really excited to see what you're going to share with the world next year and in the next coming months. Well, thank you. This was so fun. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's conversations like these that make my heart so full of love. Thank you, thank you so much for tuning in today, my love. I enjoyed having you and I hope this episode inspired you and expanded your consciousness and your heart. 
If you want to connect more deeply, you can come join me on Instagram at catcaitlin. I would highly appreciate it if you rate and leave a review on the podcast. I would be absolutely most grateful for you. And obviously, as a little gift in return, I'll send you a mini reading regarding your purpose. All you basically have to do is just slide into my DMs on Instagram and send me a screenshot of your review plus your birth date details and your email address. Let's raise the vibration together because when I rise, you rise and we rise together as a collective. So yeah, I cannot wait to see you again in the next episodes. Until then, keep spreading your light. I'll see you soon.